0: Welcome to Queers & Co, the podcast on self-empowerment, body liberation and activism for queer folks and allies. I'm your host, Jem Kennedy. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm a transformational practitioner and coach living in the UK. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Queers & Co. I am very confused by the fact that we're in April now and time seems to be going both fast and slow at the same time. But there we are. It's really great to be able to introduce my guest to you. They are someone who I just find so joyful and I'm really looking forward to be able to share an episode with you. I will introduce them in a second, but I just wanted to say really quickly about supporting any guests who come onto the podcast if you enjoy the episode then it's really nice if you just drop them a message on social media or whatever the um, other official channels are that they put out there just to let them know that you've enjoyed the episode I think it really helps to know that what they have shared is valued because quite often my guests can be quite vulnerable and then I guess if they don't hear anything back other than from me it can feel a little bit revealing I guess and as usual in terms of supporting my guests. All of the relevant links will be in the show notes and discussed towards the end of the episode. Let me introduce you to my guests and we also have a really special bonus extra part of the episode that's coming up at the end. So today I am talking to Chuck SJ who is a brilliant multidisciplinary artist often exploring trans and autistic matters in various forms. Chuck has completed five European tours, 12 UK tours fifteen albums and two EPs and is well known for their gripping stage performance, unique guitar skills and brutal honesty. You'll hear in the podcast that we talked about the idea of when when we're alone, are we even queer or are we even trans? And the fact that for Chuck, those feelings around transness and queerness had kind of gone away during the pandemic because of not being in public spaces in the same way. And it was so interesting to hear Chuck kind of wanting to find a way to process that or to create something around that and it was mentioned actually um, Chuck talked about it during the episode and now it's really exciting to be able to share at the end of the podcast recording that Chuck then went on to create an amazing poem called Am I Even Queer Anymore and you can catch it on YouTube as well it's accompanied by a really great video so I'd highly recommend that you stick around all the way to the end to listen to that poem as well. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Chuck SJ. Hi Chuck, how are you? Hi, I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. We've just been talking about fires before we started recording. So even just think, I'm trying to think of one to keep warm whilst we, whilst we chat. <laughs> I can go and sit in front of mine if you want. <laughs> oh, maybe it might like set the scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I always ask people to introduce themselves just to kick us off. So would you be happy to do that?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Chuck SJ. Um, I'm having a bit of a wobbly time with my pronouns at the moment. So if possible, no pronouns, um, just my name. But if pronouns need to be used, then non-gender specific ones are great. I am a multidisciplinary artist, which means that I um, do lots of weird things over a variety of forms and genres. My, mostly mu- my, my main discipline is music. And I talk a lot about trans issues and autistic issues and many issues.
0: Yeah. And how did you come to be a multidisciplinary artist? How, what was that like? Um, or how did that evolve?
1: Um, well, I didn't really realize that I was one until like last year I had this, uh, you know, at some point in your 20s, everything just does a flippity flip and you start being like, what am I doing with my life <laughs> else pointed out to me that I was a multidisciplinary artist um so I guess I I just I really like creating and I um really like music and I like there's just there's so many things you can do within music you don't have to just do one thing so I do I've been doing sound design and production and just like playing and kind of making structures out of sounds as well as the more typical things you would do with music and then I'm also been doing those of writing and poetry and then someone else pointed out that that is multi-discipline.
0: <laughs> yeah and for anyone who hasn't come across your work before and um, say for your music for example when you talk about making sound structures like how would you describe that to someone?
1: I have no idea and it, it depends because like each piece of work they came across would be completely different to the next piece of work they'll come across. So some people, many people think that I'm just a punk. And (laughs) really, that's just one one project amongst many, because everyone needs to get on stage in their underwear and scream as well. (laughs) Um, But I don't know, I like to submerge people. So, um, especially during this lockdown, I've been playing loads with making sounds that feel like they fall into someone's ear and like smush around in their brain and fall out the other ear and just like, just really make people feel like they're underwater, but instead of fish, it's notes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And I know you did a soundscape recently for, um, the Cocoa Butter Club did a, a day of sort of being workshops and, um. Yeah, I guess where where does your inspiration come from for creating such different projects and such different pieces of of music? Um,
1: sorry, my computer's suddenly coming up saying that I need all these no these widgets, and I
0: I don't need the widgets. <laughs> uh, away widgets.
1: <laughs> oh, just to to clarify on that, that Sadie Sinner put on the Wellbeing Day, but it wasn't presented by uh, Cocoa Butter Club.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Uh,
1: listeners should know that I'm. I I forgot to do an audio description, but I am a white, middle, average
0: sized person. What was the question? Um, It was, what was it? What's your inspiration for creating all these different projects and different sounds?
1: Inspiration. Inspiration. Um, I don't, I don't know, because it's not like I've been hearing things and then been like, oh, I want to do that. It's more about what I happen to come across. So I came across Ableton, and that's got so many different sounds inside it, and allows you to play stuff live as opposed to this linear setting that I've always known in music production before. So that helped inspire me to play with the sounds a lot more. Um, but mainly just like my mood, my mood, like especially in lockdown, is is like a hundred different moods every five minutes. And the only way I know how to navigate that is by
0: playing with sounds. Yeah. And thinking of lockdown, you've been in a cabin in the woods for like most of lockdown, right? Because you were in Australia until um, sort of very early on in the lockdown. And I wonder what that experience has been like. I know you talk about it sometimes on social media.
1: Yeah, I'm now on day 298.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's funny because I actually have to leave on the 1st of April, so I would have been here for 365 days. Oh, wow. When I'm old in the future, I'll look back on the year of 2020 as the year I lived alone in a cabin in the woods with my dog. Um, it's been so, like, I just I don't think I would have been able to progress to the ability that I have done had it not been for all of this time and space I've just had with myself. Um it's also been really challenging, like when it's lonely or when it's really loud inside the phone, that's that can get really scary and claustrophobic, but that's that's life. We feel lots of different things at lots of different times, and learning that I can't control that has been life-changing.
0: Yeah. And oh, I just find it so fascinating because I I'm thinking of um as a parent, I have had no time alone really ever for like the last nine years but um last weekend I had three days alone and I noticed after the three days that I was um really thinking actually I wanted time alone but I I struggle with it if it's for too long and I wonder what um you know if I was to imagine being alone for 365 days I know you've seen people sort of socially distance on and off but having those long sort of stretches of time um yeah what what what's that like Oh,
1: it's so so it's it's taken me up until now, really, to for this like intense neediness to subside. Um, but it's been really confusing because I was very sick last year. So I went to Australia to get better because I would I knew that I wouldn't be able to survive a winter. Um and my the whole reason I went there is so I could self-isolate and be by myself. <laughs> And, but it was always, it was very much on my terms. So when I thought I was fine, it was because, well, I've just decided I'm fine and I want to go back to playing with people. Um, And then this happened and like the, the neediness was so intense, but I also started taking testosterone in January, 2020. So I couldn't figure out what was my hormones? What was me coming out of a very ill episode in my life? What was like just stress from this pandemic and, like and also realizing i've never been by myself just never um so yeah it's been a ride but it's i'm i'm really glad that that need neediness is gone now like yeah before it was stressful now now i i need but it's i'm not stressed within that need
0: yeah and when you think about that neediness what is it for is it for like community is it for a particular type of connection or anything else um I think when I was
1: stressed and everything was really loud, it was for validation. And now it's for experience. I just want to hear people organically talk, like even with watching um, the inauguration and just being like, this huge thing has just happened. We can't go to the pub and talk about just even simple things like people's outfits and just all of the organic conversation we can't have that. I miss that so much and trying to have these conversations on social media and realizing that it's the, the harm that's coming from trying to speak in this way in social media. Cause you're speaking as a performance, you're speaking cause you're like, well, once I've said this sentence, that sentence is stuck there. Ever people will see the sentence. It's not just fleeting and that's doing stuff to our psych. Like
0: it's not, it's not good. Yeah. And have you, have you used social media much throughout lockdown? Cause I know, um, Personally, I've had to take breaks from it over definitely over recent months because I've found actually that um, it's really or can be really anxiety-inducing at times. Yeah,
1: my relationship with social media is confusing. I've, I've tried – I've kind of come off it sometimes and it's been good and I've been like, okay, now I'm happy within this. And I've come off it other times and been like, now I feel even more isolated. When, when loud things are happening with society – like right at the beginning of COVID and everyone's screaming at each other, I, I would just absorb all of that. And I was just like, Rah! and I I'm pretty sure I must've said some stupid shit on the internet. <laughs> and like, and I know that I was probably very intense. So it's been, it's been on and off, but then I go through these other bits where I'm completely rational and I can break down a series of events and other people will say it's really useful. And my, uh, interaction on Instagram is really important to me there's lots of people there who who I find comfort in and who find comfort in me and so I don't know whether just breaking that off is good but also at the same time I don't want to scroll down my newsfeed and not feel like I'm good enough because I've seen someone else being awesome who also probably feels like they're not good enough <laughs> because I've seen someone else being awesome
0: yeah it's such a, a complex thing isn't it to know how to use it in a way that feels good and feels connecting um but also yeah when we're not maybe in the best space or because I've noticed I can even go onto social media and feel in a, quite a good space and then come off it feeling awful um but yeah. having yeah it's, it's just so hard to know how to navigate it I think it's really hard
1: it's so much harder when there's no one else here I've, I've started um doing things like if I'm going to watch a movie my phone goes into a different room and I have dedicated time with the dog and there's no phones at because I saw because <laughs> I saw a thing when I was scrolling about how children only see their parents looking into their phones. And I just looked at my dog and was like, I don't want that for you. <laughs> so now <laughs> we have dedicated no phone time. Um, but I can kind of do whatever I want because there's no one here
0: to tell yeah. me Yeah, I've also started putting my phone downstairs or switching it off and leaving it outside of my room at night. Um, And that's made a big difference. Even though I can't fall asleep listening to something, which I used to do, um, just it being in another room. There was, I can't remember where I read it. There was some, um, I'll have to find it. It was a study, basically, that even when the phone was in the same room as the person and and switched off, people had higher anxiety levels than when it was switched off in a different room. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about it
1: it Absence
0: yeah you can yeah and so thinking about having this kind of long break or long space where you've been alone how does it feel when you think about going back or into like another living situation from the first of April
1: oh god I don't even know where to begin (laughs) (laughs) Jem. like uh so even when I was in Australia I was on my own in a garage like on the back of someone's garden um but yeah so it's been a really long time and I've been by myself and now I'm going to be living with four other people and I am I feel a bit I'm a bit like because I mean, I can just make s- sounds all the time and I don't that's we're so um used to the fact that people live in sh- like shared accommodation is normal for people my age mm-hmm. I can't imagine ever not being in shared accommodation and I didn't realize how small I was making myself just around myself in my own space as to not hurt, to not upset other people. And it was like halfway through my time here in the cabin when I was just like, why don't I sing when I'm walking around and just things like that. Um, and I'm everything's really orderly because I'm very orderly. And now I'm going to have to try and share that with other people, um, but I'm also really excited to be around other people. Um, they're all queer, obviously. I wouldn't put myself in this situation with <laughs> straight people. Um, but yeah, I have I, forgotten so much about how to socialize and how to... The, like. See, (laughs) I've lost my masks and I feel so much less stressed without my masks. So I don't want to have to put the masks back on. Mm -hmm. But also, I've everywhere I've ever lived before, bar one place has ended on stressful terms. And I don't know whether that's because of, I don't know what what that's because of. But um, so I'm very hesitant about causing stress for other people and then it being stressful. So I'm like, well, I need to collect the masks. But I had masks before and it didn't help me. So maybe I'm, I'm doing this new approach where I'm just gonna be myself and say what I need and, and say, if you're upset with me, please be completely transparent and just like understand that I'm autistic instead of me having to try and meet them all the way over there instead of us meeting each other in the same place
0: yeah yeah I, that's giving me goosebumps just thinking about actually having a space where or a time period where the masks are able to like dissolve and just go away and then when you go back into maybe the world that you were in before as in you know you're around people more and you're not living alone um yeah how how to not pick those back up again and I wonder um I wonder if we should clarify because for pe- for people who aren't autistic and don't know much about neurodivergence, they may not really understand like the significance or the relevance of of talking about masks. Um, oh. Yeah, I wonder how how would you describe like masking? How would I describe masking? <laughs> well, <laughs> um,
1: so masking is when uh, neurotypical people have to use up more energy to abide by a neuro. No, wait, neurodiverse people (laughs) have to use up a lot of energy to abide by a neurotypical expectation, be it like, so, for instance, sitting still is what is socially acceptable. And if Mm -hmm. we were together at the pub, and I kept getting up and walking away and coming back, that would be me being rude, even though I need to do that, because that's how I stim stimming is like, things that autistic people do with their bodies to help with sensory overload. So if I'm sat still, I'm getting overloaded by loads of things, but I, I, I can't get up and walk away because I know that that's rude. And, and it's not just the price of being rude that I would pay. It's the price of how that now then places me within our social circle, how you feel about me is going to affect how the people you talk to feel about me. So it's, yeah, that that's what masking is. It's, it's huge and it's really heavy and it affects us loads and it's treated like it's so small because we, because we all do it. Everyone's not everyone, but there's kind of this expectation. Well, neurodivergent people are already doing it. So what's the problem, but we don't want to do it anymore. And it means that neurotypical people don't have to bend any of their systems. We, but we have to bend so much.
0: Yeah. And the toll thank you so much for explaining that and I think the toll that that takes on autistic folks is huge and often very unseen and I know in our family like that until we were aware of um what being neurodivergent meant and all those kinds of things um it took like a huge period of autistic burnout for us to actually realize what was going on um and that is something that I think neurotypicals aren't exposed to often they don't under, they don't see like the the burnout that comes from masking and um, they just see the masking you know like they just think oh nothing seems to be going on like that person seems to be fine they don't know that that person may um, go into a stage of burnout and be you know really unable to carry on masking in a way that they have been for a long period of time because it's exhausting Yeah. And then what happens then for that person who's going through burnout
1: is there, the other person will be like, well, I've seen you do this before. So now you're letting me down as opposed to, I can't believe how often you have done this for me. Thank you. Let me come meet you where you are.
0: Yeah, totally. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I wonder how you feel about it. But um, I've been thinking about how we like how neurotypical society sees behaviour and how it's interpreted. And then, um, so I'm thinking about, for example, when I was at school, we had one teacher who would um, blow up, like have these very sort of ragey episodes and she'd get very mad about something seemingly small. But I think she'd been holding it together for a long time because we were not a very nice class. Um, So I think what happened was that there were these kind of moments of of blow up and people would... um, people would just react so badly to it. And I think the thing the thing that I'm thinking about a lot is like when, because people aren't informed about neurodivergence and they don't understand, I'm not saying like, I don't know whether that teacher was neurodivergent or not, but that's just an example that comes to mind where we constantly have these judgment judgments of people's behavior and with no kind of backstory or understanding of where that might come from, um, and it's just, I've just been thinking about lots of different episodes in my life where people have been sort of portrayed as, um, you know, they're crazy or they've, you know, they've done something awful when actually that it, when you see it through a neurodivergent lens, it can just so easily be sort of understood. And does that make any sense what I'm saying right now? Oh my God, it makes <laughs> so
1: much sense. <laughs> and I bet everyone at home is sitting there thinking of that one teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it and it, it it all stems down to these like very patriarchal ideologies and misogyny and what it is to be- behave and be a citizen, and it's it's all like no none of us benefit from it, mm-hmm. and um, people really need to work harder to challenge it and to, like to because people are very judgmental like naturally it comes to them very naturally and so you have to you have to challenge it and fight it because it's no way to live people should be able to be themselves in every moment and yeah feel different things at different times and like not be not have one meltdown to find their life for a very significant amount of time
0: yeah and it actually being understood as a meltdown rather than like um yeah, rather than the context that it's often put into, that that person is, like, outrageous, they're uncontrollable, they're, you know, hysterical, all these kind of things that live with them, when actually, if you are in relationship with autistic people, even if you're not autistic yourself, like, you can see that those moments, those um, meltdowns happen, and then it's possible to recover from those and carry on in a way that the person is then feeling okay after having had the meltdown. Um, Yeah, and... Something um, makes me think of a really beautiful example recently. So there's this organization called Spectrum Gaming and they, I don't know if you've heard of them already, but they're like um, an autistic community who have like all ages um, forums for different gamers. So people who are like interested in Minecraft or Fortnite or whatever. And um, I think it was the founder, I was listening to a webinar the other day and he was saying that something he experienced was where, um, a lot of gamers have been kicked out of um sort of neurotypical communities because of maybe having a meltdown or getting really frustrated in a game um oh, yeah, makes- and obviously yeah there's a lot of shame that comes with that right like that kind of being kicked out of community and um, he was saying that the other day he logged on and he witnessed um a person leaving the game and then someone saying, Oh, like, where did so-and-so go? And then someone else replying, Oh, he just needed some space. He was having a meltdown and just feeling really overloaded. And then the other person being like, Oh, okay. And then they just carried on. And then he joined in when he was ready. And yeah. I just thought like, that's so fucking that's awesome. awesome. Like yeah. that's the world that like it should be like that. Yeah. I think
1: this is why the the queer community can be very understanding of each other. Cause so many queer people are autistic and, yeah. Um, even if they're not they have familiar familiar, familiarized themselves with what that means and to be able to have a meltdown and not have to pay the consequences of it is such a game changer that most of us have never been able to experience yeah I yeah I look forward to a future where more people don't punish people for meltdowns and I haven't had a meltdown in like a year so it's not me that's the problem
0: (laughs) that's so interesting (laughs) isn't it yeah how interesting
1: I didn't even have a meltdown when I had to travel from Melbourne to uh, Heathrow during a global pandemic (laughs) because I was the only – and, like, the airports were really quiet. There was no one there, and everyone Mm -hmm. was keeping really far away from each other, (laughs) and all (laughs) of the shops were closed. I was like, this is wonderful. (laughs) This is, like, the best world. (laughs) Yeah, it was so good. I was sat there and just – like in my chair waiting for a few hours because I got there really, really early and yeah. there was nothing to do and could just see all the way across to the other side of the airport floor. And there was just no one there apart from this one guy hoovering.
0: It's the dream. We went to um, a trampoline park. I think it was in maybe August or September. And because we home ed, we were the only, the only family there. And um, <laughs> it was just the best. We, we had the whole trampoline park to ourselves. And then we went to the cafe and we were the only customers honestly that is great really great this is like the way to live but obviously that you know it's not sustainable (laughs) it's not going to last forever (laughs) and then there are lots of downsides for one day (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah it's it's so cool to talk about um or to think about how the outside world has um not only has led to you having to mask but also has meant that like not being in it has meant you haven't had a meltdown for over a year you said that's
1: yeah, although wow. I am now that I have had one. But it was it was from a friend. A friend and I were having a argument inside the phone and I uh-huh. kept on saying, Can we please have this conversation audioly? And they kept on sending texts and text. And then I kept on saying, please can we communicate with our words, from our voice? And then yeah, I had a I had a meltdown then. So there has yeah. been one. Well,
0: one in <laughs> a year is
1: still still yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Um, yeah I think I I think this year has really allowed me to understand what it is I need so even though I'm now taking a step back into society I know what I need as opposed to other people telling me what I should need so I feel like it's going to be better from here on
0: yeah and do you think there'll be kind of um, spaces or like pockets of time where you'll dip back into being alone or do you feel like the, the lessons you've learned already will just sustain you through that? Um, well,
1: at the place where I'm at, where I'm in the woods, they've told me I can come back whenever I want. So, um, although I can't be in the actual building, the building mm-hmm. be used for something else, so I have to leave. Um, I'm I'm just like an hour away in my van so if I get really overwhelmed I can just come here and put a tent up and sleep under a tree and there'll be no one around and I can do that whenever I want great so knowing that I have that is great
0: yeah that's amazing
1: yeah it's really amazing <laughs> I
0: got so lucky like, yeah. yeah it's really so funny hard, how it worked out but
1: I've really landed on my feet
0: <laughs> yeah and when you do go back to living um sort of being in more what's I don't want to say like being in society because it sounds like I I don't know what it sounds like but yeah hopefully you know what I mean um when you do go back to that in April what what are your plans are you um are you going back to do a particular thing or is it just to see kind of what happens
1: well I'm not going back I'm going somewhere I've never been before okay um I'm moving to London oh wow my plan was always going to be go to Australia get better come back home and throw myself into London. I'm like at this point in my life where I wanted to be, well, I still do want to be out every night, whether that's dancing or working or socializing. I, I just want to be submerged in everyone, um, which came at a really bad timing because then there was a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> but I, I, I want to be there midi for when that happens. and like the best I get the best work in London so although I'm have no idea if there's even going to be any venues left standing after this I know that queers will find a way and whether that means that we've got we're going to go to warehouses or like illegal dungeons or (laughs) like garages whatever I know we'll find a way to party and I want to be there when that when that happens yeah so I feel good about the fact I'm not going in reverse. I'm not going back to anywhere I've been before.
0: Yeah. Almost like a a new chapter. Yes. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm so intrigued to see what creativity will come from that. Like being in that space where people have been away from each other for such a long time. The queer community has really like not had, it's hard enough to find spaces to, to meet up, isn't it? As it is, let alone um, being in a pandemic. And yeah, it's exciting to see like what that scene will be like, but also what will come of it for you.
1: Yeah, I'm enjoying not having a clue. Yeah, yeah, I, it's scary because I always earn a living from being a touring musician, and that involved mostly Europe and uh, Brexit, Brexit kind of put a spanner in that as it is during the pandemic. However, I've been able to get loads of live captioning work through this pandemic. So, I'm really lucky that this fear of it, everything needs to open up again so I can work isn't as like that's not. I've I, it's balanced out through mm-hmm. working online, um, which means that instead I'm ex I'm enjoying not knowing what's going to come.
0: Yeah, and do you think that you'll carry on with the live captioning as sort of a way to sustain you, and then anything else that comes will be a bonus as and when things open up.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. In yeah, I mean even if I was doing live captioning and performing both to the scale that I am now, I'd still need to be doing a lot more to be earning enough money to count myself as a successful adult, I suppose. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it, it doesn't have to be linear. You know, it's not like, it's not like a bookshelf and each job is stacking it up. It's just here, there, everywhere, what I
0: can, when I can. Yeah. Yeah. Cool I'm excited so I wonder because when when we talked about you being on the podcast you said that you were at quite an interesting sort of point and you had lots to talk about um as in like lots of stuff that was coming up for you and I wonder what um well first of all yeah what what did that mean for you like what were you thinking of at the time uh
1: what was I thinking of at that time? Good to know because every single day it's like, and now I've got all of these things I'm going to do and another <laughs> day, and it's like, and now there's all these things. So I don't know what it would have been that day. Um, <laughs> I am writing an album at the moment, a lockdown album. So that's the that's the main the main thing, um, but also the soundscape escapism is um, the thing that I did for well-being day. I'm probably going to start doing that weekly. Awesome. That's my, like I don't know whether it should be a morning or an evening, but I might start doing it on Sunday evenings. Um, and I'm right. I'm going to be running a course to help people write an EP because I really want to hear what what people would be able to make from this year and teach people some songwriting and get because there's must be so many interesting songs sitting in the back of people's brains and I want to pull them out and put them into the world. Yeah. Uh, but like, honestly, I'm doing like so many things at the same time. I've probably just missed some very significant things that I should mention. <laughs> well, if you think of them
0: later, we can always add them into the show notes and yeah, yeah share them. And <laughs> um, that call sounds really exciting. So um, tell me more about that um
1: so it is a eight week course in four two-hour sessions and at the end of it you should have a free track ep um a minimum of two tracks free tracks is the aim though and it's aimed for people who have access to an instrument but they don't have to be like very experienced just um like two two chords is the bare minimum that they need to be able to do and we will like explore structure and dynamics and lyrics and um, we'll just get some great songs out of them. And then I really wanted to make this course also for people who can't have instruments. So um, from March, I'm going to run another one, which teaches people how to use their computers as an instrument. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do them both at the same time. And then I realized I was doing that thing where I try and do those things at the same time. (laughs) I know that very well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That one's going to have to wait a little bit longer, but knowing that the speed that I do things at, probably not too long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But knowing that it's an option, I guess is really good. Like rather than yeah, the temptation to do it all at once becomes a bit overwhelming.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've also been writing music for drag artists which is fun because I get to write all of the weird silly things that I wouldn't normally put into my own stuff and be very elaborate. Um, So that's fun.
0: Sounds like you have loads going on. And I wonder through that, you mentioned at the beginning that – you're having like your work obviously talks about trans and autistic matters and that you're having some kind of um, thoughts around your pronouns at the moment and I wonder how you have seen your um, sort of relationship with your body and your gender evolve over time if you're happy to talk about that
1: yeah I'm happy to talk about that so what's really interesting is whilst I've been doing this album I've realized that none of the songs talk about my trans self or my autistic self yet
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> none of the songs yet and it's it's the first time where I've written an album that hasn't doesn't have to be about the way that society looks at me it's literally just like it's like it's like I'm not trans at the moment because the rest of the world isn't here
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is really weird my body is like so I've been, I'm taking tea and there's not people aren't regularly seeing me enough so I I, I can't tell what's changing Cause I'm just, but then well, I, I'm also like, well, you shouldn't need other people to tell you if you're changing, <laughs> but I just feel like me. Like it doesn't feel like anything's changing. And I am microdosing, like I was microdosing so I could save my voice. So I guess the changes aren't too apparent. um, And my body, I have been very conscious of trying to keep fit because I don't want to get sick again. um sick as in so that last year I was ill as in mental health ill and so this year I did loads of running but then I fell and I broke my rib and that took so long to heal (laughs) um and that and I how thankfully that was in the summer so I didn't get too depressed but it was really tough and it got me feeling very strange about my body and how fragile it was and also just the fear of covid in itself i never go anywhere apart from to the click and collect to pick up my shopping and each time i come home and i've my hands manically and i get i get in a shower i've stopped like putting my clothes under hot boiling water but that was just like from a second interaction i suppose if i was in society i'd have adjusted more and that wouldn't be happening but um yeah my body just felt so weak like like anything could snap it at any point um And once my rib finally healed, I've got back into just looking after my body more. And I've been doing like, I wake up at 8am, (laughs) 8am. Are you
0: saying that's early or late?
1: (laughs) So early.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking 8am, that sounds like the dream. (laughs) Well, no, I have to get up at 7.45am
1: because the workout starts at 8am, which probably is not (laughs) enough time to warm up my body, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh it's so early i have to do that monday wednesdays and fridays but i am feeling good about it so yeah my relationship with my body now is more about how do i make my body strong and so when it's when it when it gets hurt it's able to heal with ease as opposed to before which was oh my body is this feminine thing that i need to defeminize
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's, that's not what it is anymore
0: it's such an interesting thing isn't it because like um I can really relate from shifting to looking after my, well, not even looking after my body, just having a body, but, um, so I should, I should, um, what's the word I should say, like I'm in recovery from eating disorders and body dysmorphia and have, um, have been through several rounds of that and thought that I'd like work through it, but actually I've started a new, a new layer, which is really fun. Um, but within that, like I've noticed, um, one of my, so, um, the, I'm working with like a dietitian counselor and she asked me the other day, if your body was a person, what, how would you describe your relationship, your relationship with it? And I just had this huge, like, oh my gosh, like it's really toxic. And yeah. the things I, I think it's a person, yeah person exactly and the things I've been saying to it like even subconsciously and and would never say of anyone else because I you know don't hold other bodies to the same expectations that I hold my own body to um yeah it was really interesting to be like wow it's so toxic and that shift I I couldn't exercise for a really long time but that shift to actually like wanting to move my body to look after it not to make it thinner not to like punish it not to do anything just to like um, yeah, just to to feel good and connect to it, and to kind of give it what it needs. It's such a difference.
1: Oh right, so it changes everything. Um, yeah, I, I used to, I like as you were saying that it made me realise how little I've been focusing on my weight as how as to how much I have done before, and I, I suppose a lot of that's been about I'm the only person I see. Mm. The, the dog has a great body, but like. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna chase after the things he chases, like he deserves that. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, and also like eat, eating disorders and the this mentality of I'm fine now, I'm cured. It's it's not it's not linear, is it? What's that um analogy about the tiger and the cage?
0: Oh we don't Do you
1: know. know. No. About? Uh so they used to <laughs> someone used to say this thing to me. And I haven't said it in ages, so I'm unsure if I still agree with it or wait until I finish the sentence. An eating disorder is like you know it has to be compared to another thing for it to work. It's like a tiger in the cage, but you have to take the tiger out and walk it. You can't just leave the tiger in the
0: cage and walk away because you have to have because you have to continue to eat or something uh, like that. okay so compared to say like alcohol for example you, yeah you it, can walk away from that whereas yeah. food still has to be part of your life yeah. yeah yeah that's true how interesting yeah I remember thinking um like having a lot of resentment because I have tried to completely avoid food and that didn't go well either like having a lot of <laughs> resentment around like, like it doesn't work (laughs) and I also I don't know if you've ever been asked this question about um if you could if you could choose to take like a daily pill that would have all of your nutrition and everything in would you do it or would you want to still eat food I don't know if it's just a question that was asked in my family but like everyone in my family was like oh yeah we would take the pill like they had a lot of issues around food whereas I have a lot of issues around food but I was like no I really um I don't know. Now I'm saying this, I'm wondering, did I at times say that I would I would rather take the pill? I'm not sure. But um, I think I would like to have a really good relationship with food. I can see all of the great things that exist around it and how great it can be. But I just can't quite or at times can't quite like connect to it and feel okay with it.
1: Yeah, I hear hear you there. Um, I I feel like I've been eating the same thing every day for the past two hundred (laughs) and ninety eight days. And it's like I, I, re- I really want to get to that place where I'm one of those people who gets very excited about the food that I've made for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I love it when other people make me food, though. So part part of it's there. But no, fuck that pill. Yeah, that, that pill's boring. Do, do you know what? When people talk about losing their taste at COVID and how it's still not come back, I do feel afraid for them. I'm like, oh no, wait, no, I wouldn't want that. So maybe that's the boost I need to appreciate. I don't want to not be able to taste chocolate.
0: Oh, yeah. It would be really sad not to be able to taste food. Yeah. Mm. Food can be great. And I was talking to another guest yesterday who is making um, an Oracle deck of foods. And I just think that's really exciting. Like, you can use it to make recipes and you can pick a food and, like, it will, you know, give you something to think about for the day. Oh, um, that's cool. Isn't it cool? Yeah. yeah. They're not they're not launching it for, like, another year. So I was like, no, Cedar, you need to bring it out now. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, yeah I think also like n-
1: not having access to takeaways and stuff has has although I've resented it further <laughs> has probably been good at maintaining my mood and m- my relationship with food yeah I have access to a pizza place and I do get two for one pizzas every Tuesday and I never regret it
0: <laughs> can never regret pizza <laughs> no <laughs> so um I'm just thinking about like what you said earlier actually feels really um feels really significant well lots of things you've said feel significant but like one in particular stood out around that you don't even think about your transness at the moment because you're not you're not trans when you're on your own because that's only in relation to other people and um yeah that that's really profound
1: yeah isn't it i've been trying to find a way to write it up and i haven't really been a- able to yet um but yeah it's profound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have thought about this many times before when I've been touring because I, I drive for very long distances and um, I have a, I have a little van with a bed in the back. So I try and work touring in with exploring as well, because obviously I get very overwhelmed touring and why would I go to a different country and not explore? Yeah. So I always make sure I have these days to myself wandering around, being living this weird idyllic insta story life even though (laughs) sometimes it's a bit gross and horrible but (laughs) (laughs) um in those moments i have thought about how am i trans because i'm the only one here because something will happen like i'll have to go into a service station and use a toilet and suddenly the stress is like oh god no i have to do this horrible thing and i don't i don't know if it's gonna i don't know if i'm safe and it's like you go from this just Absolute free feeling of sense of self to terrified and having to calculate your decisions. Mm. Um so I have thought about it before. I haven't experienced it for an entire
0: year though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that's going to be like, kind of going back in um being around people more and kind of having to think about those things again more um, and with the added layer of like not wanting to mask anymore. So yeah, there's, there's a lot there, isn't there? I can imagine that's going to be like a really big learning experience.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much patience I have for it anymore. Because now I think about it, the other day a delivery driver was trying to find the cabin because like, mm. they can never find the cabin. Um, but he kept calling me madam and I asked him three times to stop calling me madam. And then he called me a madam, <laughs> madam again. Um, and I like screamed and hung up my phone. And afterwards I was like, well, that was... I didn't. I didn't hold it up that together for very long, did I? I'm pretty sure that I used to be able to tolerate cis men for more than a minute and twenty seconds, <laughs> but that didn't, that was like he didn't stand a chance. Um, although I did ask him quite a few times, so I don't know if my how I don't I don't have any patience for it. I've really enjoyed not being stressed and not feeling shit. Mm. So I like. If it makes other people uncomfortable, it'll make other people uncomfortable. But next time I get called ma'am or lady or hun or just anything feminine or see anyone else assuming anyone else's gender, even if they're assuming right, I'm I'm just gonna scream. Fuck it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think it feels like this time away has almost allowed you to like accelerate in your um beliefs in yourself and like your security in your identity and then you're going to be the one that like goes back into the world and can see all the bullshit you could see it before but like now it's going to be even clearer I'd imagine (laughs) you're just going to be like no put that down that's rubbish stop doing that (laughs) don't talk to them that way (laughs) yeah I hope I don't get burnout (laughs) yeah yeah I guess there'll just have to be like a lot of looking after yourself that goes along with that
1: yeah yeah I was like I've always been very um ignorance, not the right word, but kind of very like hopeful of people. Like even at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, everyone be very nice to each other. We're all very nice people. And we don't, we shouldn't all be horrible. And through this year, I have gone to the other side where all of my friends are, where I'm like, "Mm, there is a significant amount of very shit people who aren't even trying to be a little bit less shit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am interested to see how this new version of me adjusts around those people because I've never been very good at biting down biting down on my own self anyway and that was when I thought everyone was wonderful so we will
0: see yeah it'd be interesting (laughs) to see how that oh sorry go ahead
1: sorry I was going to say this also from just experiencing the way that my friends are talking on social media so many of them are like you know what
0: screw this and everyone's just calling out people's crap and it's great Yeah. Yeah, there definitely does seem to be a turning point in lots of ways at the moment. I guess as people have been, or as kind of day-to-day life has been stripped away in lots of different ways, people are maybe realising that a lot of what they were doing before was bullshit and they don't want to maybe go back to it. Um, Yeah, yeah, obviously not everyone has the choice, unfortunately. You know, some people are having to still go out to work and um, do things that, you know, other people who are in lockdown are quite lucky not to have to do. But um, I guess if you have had that time away... Like I've noticed the constant scheduling, like the back to back. Oh, we're doing this and then we're doing this and then we're going here. I don't want to do that anymore. Like I don't want to live like that. Um, yeah. And actually being in my house with my children is like one of the best things. <laughs> Who would have thought that spending time with the little people that you birthed <laughs> <laughs> enjoyable? But that's the thing, though. Like, I I know that, and that's why one of the reasons that we home educate. But I think for a lot of people, they haven't had to have that because if their children go to school, they haven't like had to re- apart from weekends or holidays, they haven't had to have that kind of long, um long standing time together. So yeah, I think there's so much that people are are learning about what's important to them or what isn't, and yeah, what they want to get rid of.
1: Yeah, it's it's exciting because I mean yes it's horrible the, the, everything that's happened is very traumatic but there's still something absolutely extraordinary about the fact that everyone is thinking
0: mm. like
1: about about who they are about the way that they b- behave about the fact that people are longing for each other as some if you said i never thought two years ago i would ever say the sentence oh the whole of society is longing for each other <laughs> <laughs> like it's gonna be extraordinary like everyone it's just so different
0: yeah yeah and over the next few years I guess as people are allowed to do things like go back to Glastonbury or you know whatever they haven't been able to do for the last couple of years I guess those moments are probably I'm imagining that they're going to be really euphoric like people just suddenly being in a group of people is going to be something that all of a sudden feels really magical because it hasn't been possible for so long
1: Yeah, and what what is a better feeling in the world than people appreciating your presence and bouncing off of you and you bouncing off of other people? You just, you can't do that. Uh, Something I have often said a lot is it really makes me sad when people say, oh, I hate people because people is, like, it's everything. Everything we are is people and each other. What would we do without each other? And I guess now, well, now we know what we would do without each other and to have people excited about people again it's going to be great so many hugs yeah and I'm really looking forward to all of the friends who you never used to come out coming out
0: yeah yeah it all just feels like we're on the edge of something that can it's really difficult but also feels exciting and I guess that's mirrored in like your life what you're about to go into as well um and I'm conscious of time so I don't want to keep you for too long although I feel like I could chat for a lot longer um (laughs) I just wondered what, yeah, And so every episode I ask people to share something that they're really enjoying at the moment, and I wondered what that is for you, if it's something we haven't already covered.
1: Oh, what am I enjoying at the moment? What am I enjoying? I am learning how to play the cello. Oh, cool. That is a lot of fun. My friend Robin is teaching me. Their Instagram is Brighton Cello. They teach many people. They actually uh, lent me their old cello, which is how... I have a cello in my presence. How many times can I say cello? I'm (laughs) excited about the cello. (laughs) Um, I've only had a few lessons and I think I'm nailing it. Um, What else am I, what's getting me excited at the moment? Oh, I've been playing PlayStation more, which is something I haven't really allowed myself to do in a bingy way because I've always associated it as laziness and distraction and childlike um and now i now i associate it as resting and and time off and that's really fun as well getting to play just getting to game again um, so yeah i'm excited about playing computer games and playing the cello cool sounds like a um, mix people's music i've been paying i've been paying a lot of attention to who's been releasing what and news oh this is something i should talk about I really want to form some sort of collective for DIY musicians where we can all get together and chat about what we're up to and what resources there are and like just interact with one another because I have been speaking to some DIY artists about how lonely it is at the best of times but this year particularly so
0: so that's something I'm excited about too. Great and if anyone's interested that hears this and wants to come into that with you what would you where, where should they go? Instagram?
1: Yeah. so I want to avoid taking or t- taking the reins on this. Mm-hmm. I've like spoke to a few people about it and they're, they're like, yeah, I'd really love to do that, but I don't have capacity to help with the navigation. I'm using typey fingers right now <laughs> for people who can't see. Um, yeah, like just the boring side of it, the admin. Um, so I really want to avoid make me doing all of that because I I I've, I'm I'm aware that I'm already taking on more than I can. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it would be great if anyone is infused and has the space to to like do the admin side of it. Then I know all of the people, not all of the people. I know some people, <laughs> and you know some people. And I bet there's people listening right now who are like, oh, I know know some people who'd be up for that, and then we can. Yeah make it
0: happen but to message me on instagram would be the best way so I'm always on there okay great yeah that sounds really exciting so you've got your course coming up people can head to instagram to follow your work is there anywhere else that they should go to find out more about you
1: I have a website which has all of my projects on it um called dot com, and I have my new single sink your teeth in is on Spotify under Chuck SJ, which can be confusing because there is also a Spotify profile called Chuck SJ Hey. Oh, okay. Ignore that one. That's Chuck 1.0. You need Chuck SJ for Chuck 2.0. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Great. Well thank you so much for joining me. It's been really great to chat and to catch up. Cause we haven't thank you so much for having me. Not at all. It's been really brilliant. Um yeah and enjoy the rest of your time in the woods. I will. My fire's gone out. I need to go
1: wood gathering.
0: <laughs> I hope you enjoyed hearing from Chuck as much as I did. Just a couple of things before I go ahead and let you listen to the poem. If you'd like to support Chuck on Patreon, then head to patreon.com slash Chuck in transit. The link will be in the show notes as well. And one of the really cool things that Chuck is doing at the moment is creating zines. And they draw on uh, their journals from a year ago and now and it's so fascinating. I have a couple and I'd highly recommend that you get them uh, whether that's by supporting Chuck on Patreon or whether it's by ordering individual zines and paying for them that way. Something else I wanted to mention is a piece of writing that Chuck has had published in Creating in Crisis from Polar Eye Press that's available to pre-order now and again the links are in the show notes. And I'll leave you with this poem read by Chuck, Am I Even Queer Anymore?
1: Am I even queer anymore? I feel like expired goods. I swear people used to want to fuck me. I've been looking for my use by date. It must be somewhere here within the creases. I felt a lot more queer when people wanted to fuck. They don't anymore. I know that could be because we're in a pandemic. We're not even allowed to touch And we are all traumatised trying to stay alive during a time that gives us nothing to live for. But what if it's me? What if I'm all used up? It was LGBTQ month and I couldn't even get on a shitty playlist. Am I even queer anymore? Without a fight to take to the streets. Without protest in my gut. Without a lover to kiss goodnight. Without a friend to wish good morning. Am I even queer anymore? Without devotion, liberation, infatuation, conflict, challenges, art, theatre, stage lights, feedback, applause, distortion, dancing, laughing, laughing, laughing. When did I last laugh? Like proper laugh. Like I can feel the air stroking my tonsils laughter. The tightness of someone else's grip around my bicep laughter. The dog's ears have perked up as the room becomes contagious laughter. Tear-stained cheeks, snapped back jaws, howling through our teeth laughter. The sort of laughter you can only have with others. Am I even queer anymore without others? Without eyes to make across the dance floor? without affirmations in the smoking area, without shrieking at outrageous statements, without planning for the revolution, without screaming at my friends on stage, without being screamed at by my friends whilst on stage, without hit. Let me hold that for you. One queer says to another queer, who's caught up in a moment of fear, but they'll be all right in a minute. We always are. We just need someone else to hold our heart. Here, let me hold that for you.